Okay, well, welcome to the Agents of Game podcast. Um, those responsible for the technical difficulties with the last week's episode have now been sacked. Um, but seriously, some bad things happen, then more bad things happen, and most of the show was lost. We will try to get something salvaged out of it, but uh, I think I'm probably going to need to channel my inner office space and recreate the scene in the field with a printer as soon as we get some decent weather. <laughs> Um, tonight, uh, joining us for the first time is Agent 13, also known as Matt Peters. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I sincerely appreciate it. I'm a, I'm a fan of this show. I've been following you guys since uh, the first episode there, and I, I really like what you got going on. I'm All actually right. kind of embarrassed. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it has been rough, but we do try. Um, for those who haven't had the pleasure yet, uh, Matt uh, Peters is the editor-in-chief at Mighty Inc. Comics and Entertainment, which you can find at MightyInc.net. Um, he's also the ho- co-host of the GCPD podcast, uh, which he could tell you a little bit more about. Uh, he's an organizer and admin with the Chicago Nerd Social Club, um, does a lot of other things, and on a personal note, he is one of my biggest inspirations as a podcaster. Yeah. Um, oh, you embarrass me. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I got to return the favor here. Um, now, so on only a- I can inspire myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully uh, we can uh, get you back into that because, well, we'll, we'll get we'll get back to some of that in a moment. Um, hopefully we All don't right. have to uh, kidnap you and lock you in a recording booth. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, on our first episode of the podcast, uh, each of us talked a little bit about our nerd history. And although I've heard some of it from your previous podcast, uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started and, for lack of a better term, your evolution as a nerd? Wow, that is a, a large swath of topics there. Where, where to begin? Um, you, you mentioned that you kind of heard that on the podcast, and I, I appreciate you uh, you checking those out. Um, there was one episode of, of uh, GCPD that I talked at length about that. Um, I actually got my dad to come on with me, and that was a lot of fun as we reminisced about uh, how I kind of grew up with games and comics and that sort of thing. Uh, one of the one of my favorite things uh, growing up was that my dad told me I could get a Nintendo Entertainment System, um, you know, way, way, way back uh, if I saved up for it. So. Of course, I would save my allowance. I would do little odd jobs around the house. I would pick up pennies or whatever I could find. And um, I had this huge, like, bucket that I was just saving change in. It must have been, like, maybe 40 bucks in there. But one day it disappeared. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Dad's like, ah, you know, went ahead and cashed it in. You finally have enough. And uh, as I grew older and got out of the fog of childhood, I realized that he was being very generous with that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but you know it was it was kind of cool because he wanted me to feel like i earned it myself so i remember way of doing um, it, yeah. yeah exactly you know i think that was kind of cool with him um but yeah like he surprised me he came from from work one morning because he worked uh as a cab driver late at night and he's like you know son go hang up my coat for me I'm like cool so i go hang up his coat step on this box in the closet no idea what it was He's like, did you hang up my coat? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I just hung it up. Like, he asked me to. He's like, go, go check that closet again. So I went and looked. I'm like, still hanging up. And uh, <laughs> look at the closet floor. All of a sudden, my eyes, biggest saucers. I'm like, holy crap, you know. And it was a great day. It was a Saturday morning. I remember specifically, Captain and the Game Master was still on NBC. Oh, I love that show. 
Yes. And so I totally just switched that off, ripped all the cables in the back of the TV, hooked it up. I, you know, I played it over at friends' houses, so I knew exactly what to do. And I was just raring to play some Mario Brothers. So uh, that was that was an entire weekend of just playing that. It was all just a blur. So from there, of course, you know, um, I, I just really got into gaming and my grandmother, thankfully, uh, we were staying with her at the time and she saw that there needed to be a balance there. So she's like, OK, uh, whatever magazine you want a subscription to, I got you. So she would get me all these different magazines and everything, but nothing seemed to stick. But she really wanted to, um, I guess, uh, build my love of reading. So she got me a subscription to Nintendo Power, and that did the trick. So (laughs) every month I get Nintendo (laughs) Power in the mail. The games I didn't have, I was sitting there just still looking at the maps, just going through with my finger like, okay, Mega Man's got to jump here. He's got to go through this pit. All right, cool. So, yeah, that really got me, um, you know, into reading. So my dad continued that tradition. He took me to... Uh, the early comic conventions around the Chicago area. So back when you could actually sit in a crowd of like 30 people and listen to Stan Lee talk for an hour, like I got to sit on on that wow. sort of thing. But I didn't nice. realize how cool it was back then. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's some old guy up there talking about Spider-Man. He's super cool. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and of course, later on, it's like you get further and further away from Stan, but you just you still have that moment. Uh, and even geekier than that, uh, my whole family is into Star Trek and every iteration of of the actual like property. So uh, he and my uncle Furman were so deep into it, they uh, would write these uh, these little novels that they would submit. None of them actually got published, but one of the coolest gifts I got for my birthday was my uncle Furman wrote me my own Star Trek adventure where he made me the captain of like Enterprise F or something like that. So very nice. Yeah, wow. yeah. So yeah, I got I got all kind of Greek uh, Greek uh, geek cred all over the place here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and sadly, if you were starring on the new ep- uh, series, you're gonna have to pay for every episode of that. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, for the low low price of nine ninety nine. Yeah, it's, wow. it's gonna be great. <laughs> oh sure, it's a terrible idea. Uh, but you, you, you mentioned Captain N, and uh, I've actually the last few weeks been thinking we really should make a crappy live action version of that. That would just be fun. <laughs> if there's anything begging for a reboot, it's Captain N. <laughs> you know they've they've messed around with so many properties from back in the day. Captain N is just itching to come back. Why not? I would be for that, Dave. But on two conditions, I get to be Mega Man, and Dan has to be Kid Icarus. <laughs> I want to see Dan in those little Kid Icarus wings and a toga. I'll pay for that not to happen. That'll be that slightly, <laughs> slightly green, off-color blue Mega Man, that aquamarine color. <laughs> I just couldn't get it quite right. I don't know. It was weird. Well, they do have the new Mega Man helmet apparently available to purchase, but it looks like it won't actually go over human-sized heads. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We like to do our own little uh, fashioning of stuff here. We um, got a we got a, a new cat helmet, I guess, you know? A new Halo <laughs> cat helmet going on. Uh, that's gonna be fun. Make some fun videos. Have the, trying to see the cat get out of that and, you know, just use more and more duct tape and see how long it takes the cat to get out of it. <laughs> uh, okay, so well, you and Archie Easter did the GCPD podcast, uh, which is still available and highly recommended. Um, can you tell Thank us you. a little bit more about that show? 
Certainly, yeah. Um, GCPD stands for Games, Comics, and Puppy Dogs. Now, it's a silly title, but people smile when they hear it for the first time, and that's kind of what we wanted. We wanted a, you know, an acronym that kind of just sticks in people's heads. Archie and I, uh, we share a love of comic books and video games. We uh, became friends in high school, and uh, ever since then, you know, we've talked about wanting to publish our own comics. So back in 2002, uh, we started a project called Mighty Ink Comics. Uh, we published a, a book called Arsenal, which we would take to Wizard World Chicago and we'd sell an issue there. I was hustling down people. To borrow a phrase from, uh, from Tom Waits, I, I, I barked him down like carnies selling Christmas cards in June. Uh, the book was, it was a labor of love. It really was. Uh, he and my buddy Ray, uh, Raymond Jackson, he was the artist on it as well. Um, we really just went nuts with it. It was a labor of love. We had four issues. And after that, we decided to try something different. Um, our careers were taking us in different directions. We didn't have as much time to dedicate to the comics. So we decided to launch the podcast and at least sit down every now and then to discuss what we're playing, what we like, you know, the basic stuff, just kind of like you guys do. So we uh, kept the Mighty Inc. website and uh, it evolved into Mighty Inc. Comics and Entertainment. Very cool. Um, now, if I remember correctly, uh, he started getting involved about, well, he still had a while left, but uh, in some video game development. Was that correct? That is correct, yes. Uh, and that is actually one of the reasons that um, we haven't been recording lately. And that's because Archie is actually a team member over at Wargaming.net. They're the, uh, the minds behind the World of Tanks game. And yes, many other stuff, uh, many other games they have in the works right now, and uh, yeah, he's, he's just busy, busy, busy. And uh, you know, I'm super proud of my boy. Like he's gone to Japan recently for a conference over there. Uh, got to meet his hero Godzilla, and I'm not making this up. There's actually a <laughs> hotel where you can travel to the top floor. He was telling me, and you can actually like see Godzilla's head sticking out of the top <laughs> of the building. Oh, that would wow. be great to just wake up in there and forget where you are. Like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or even when you just get the room right next to the head and it's just smoke billowing out all the time. Oh, crap, the building's on fire. Oh, wait, it's just God's still big down. That's all. But, yeah, I mean, this job is taking him in all kind of incredible places, incredible directions and everything. And, I mean, I, I, he's a humble guy, and he'll never admit this, but I know that deep down he doesn't want to seem biased towards anything and so that kind of makes him more selective about what he'll talk about in the gaming industry you know he's he's a classy dude and i appreciate him for that so we don't record as often as we'd like but i'm so happy for him that his career has taken off well, yeah, and, uh, you know, it always sounds like a wonderful thing to work in video games development, and then you hear about the schedules they have to keep, especially you know when you have a crunch towards you know new DLC coming out or or a finished product coming out, and it just it can be pretty brutal. Oh, for sure, you know, and Wargaming actually does uh, some pretty cool charitable stuff throughout the year too. They have uh, gaming marathons where they'll stream on Twitch. And ask people to donate to the uh, the local children's hospital, that sort of thing. Um, and on that note, uh, as Mighty Inc., Archie and I actually do a show uh, every year um, called Core Demo. 
Now, this is something, this is a labor of love. Uh, it's, it's something that we put together to raise money for the American Cancer Society. Um, you know, everybody's life has unfortunately been touched by cancer in some way, shape, or form. Either someone you know, a family member, uh, anybody suffering from any form of cancer. You know, we all yeah. know somebody. And I think it's important that we come together to celebrate them and also helped uh, raise money for uh, research and hopefully a cure. So, Definitely. you know, it's it's just one of the many things that we, we uh, you know, strive to do to give back. And have a little fun while we're at it. Like I said, there's, there's a lot of stuff involved. We always have a raffle. Um, <laughs> we raffle off, and what, what's cool is a lot of folks partner with us. WWE always gives us um, tickets to a local show. Um, nice. This year we had uh, Volition actually give us some great Saints Row swag that we auctioned off, Crisis nice. Against Humanity, uh, you know, and the belly dance community because it's at its at its core, core demo, it's a, a belly dance show. So my wife and some of her belly dance friends come together and they put on the geekiest belly belly dance show <laughs> you can imagine. Uh, picture, Based on uh, that information Kling- alone, <laughs> picture like Klingons and Twi'leks like getting together, or Twi'leks, however you pronounce it, dancing. Oh belly- yeah, for sure. <laughs> like a couple years ago, uh, two of my friends, M- Melly Kirk, who's the managing editor on Mighty Inc., and our uh, con photographer uh, Jonesy, they did a duet as Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, and that <laughs> wow. was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's cool. And they're both very talented. They did a great job. Well, when is the next time that you have that event coming up? We'll make sure we publicize it um, so people can hear more about it. Definitely. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, folks can always check on the website, MightyInc.net. Um, we try to keep them in around the same time every year, so August, you know, mid-August, okay. we usually have them. Okay, yeah, I just remember, and I'm not going to go into too much detail here, but I remember... Uh, I don't remember if it was on the cast today or on the GCP pod, GCPD podcast, but there was... Um, I remember uh, some very um, personal episodes that you were talking about, some of your experiences and losses with that, and um, it, it's definitely a very worthy cause. I, I can see a lot of people just not not using it to turn into something that could be a benefit for other people, and so I think that's a really cool thing that you're doing with that. Oh, thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, if you want to know more about it, there is uh, an episode around the inception of Core Demo back in 2012. Yeah, I go into um, I go into the reasoning behind it at length, a little bit yeah. more coherent than I am now, um, <laughs> where I just talk about my mom and everything because she uh, fought breast cancer for about a year, actually. And, uh, you know, just kept on plugging away. So we do it to honor her. Definitely. Yeah. Very cool. Well, when when we had when we had met you, um, it was I want to say it was mid August at the Chicago Comic Con, and uh, you know you were still recuperating for I don't even know how you did this, but uh, you were still recuperating from the cast today, which through the entire month of June, every single day, not only did you record a podcast, but you edited and posted it every day of June. I, I just. I can't even fathom how, uh, yeah, how 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 did you do that? I gotta <laughs> laugh, man. I mean, it was 
amazingly frustrating, let me tell you. No, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun, too. I, I got to try a lot of different things. And uh, as I mentioned before, GCPD is prone to some lengthy hiatuses. So I wanted to keep myself fresh. I love podcasting, and uh, I truly missed it. And so with Archie busy uh, and our schedule's not really syncing up the way I would like, I had to do something a little different from our, our normal brand, uh, you know, our normal routine. So I cooked up the idea to do a new episode every day. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw I did a new uh, a new logo as well uh, as edit and posted. So every every day I tried to like kind of stick to a theme and uh, make a logo to go along with it. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't use Photoshop too much before that, but I became pretty passable near the end there. <laughs> Just yeah, out of necessity. I can <laughs> <laughs> Thirty days in a row of doing anything, you're probably gonna get a little better at it. Uh, I got to do some live video game streaming, uh, which is still up on YouTube if anybody wants to check that out. Uh, and then I got to have a, a weekly Resnaculous Tuesday segment where I would, uh, you know, eat some interesting things from around Chicago. Kind of talk about that a little bit. And uh, I even got to imitate the sound and feel of NPR programming. Uh, you know. I just I, I always love that that public radio, just like that clean editing and, and everything that they have set up there. But of course, I had to add a, a geeky feel to it. So I talked about Steven Universe. Um, you know, my wife, my wife, Dolores, uh, she was super patient with me during that entire month. And she was a huge help in getting it done and motivating me to just keep on pushing. So I, I really appreciate that. And she was and, a yeah. fun guest every once in a while, too. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <clears throat> she was um she was always there in case something uh something went wrong you know because you schedule people people have emergencies pop up you know but i got very lucky that everything didn't just shut down <laughs> midway through that i'm happy i got it accomplished in fact and i'll give you guys the exclusive i haven't really talked about this anywhere else uh and i do run my mouth on twitter quite a bit um <laughs> i'm gonna do cast a day again this june we're gonna we're gonna do it again holy nice. cow and i would love to have you, a sir. crossover episode with agents of game i'm gonna put you guys on the spot right now i want one episode of cast a day to be a a, a, a crossover between agents of game and gcpd we can definitely do that yep nice. that'd be exciting <laughs> <laughs> and you can make fun of us as much as you want because we certainly deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> <See how> it <laughs> yeah, this if time, you get to know us better, you do, you realize we do deserve it. We do. <laughs> this time you got to up the ante though, and like not go to the bathroom or anything. You just never leave the podcast for a whole month. Just like install an IV in a catheter. And- <laughs> okay. That's why I'm on semi-retirement now because Casted ate six so much out of me last year. <laughs> sure, that's what I'm going with. That's my story. Why not? Oh, that'd, that'd be, be rough. Nice. That would be rough. Well, you know, since you brought up Restanculous Tuesday, that's actually something that uh, I was going to ask you about before this. And you beat me to it because yesterday you started posting some uh, pretty good Restanculous Tuesday on Twitter. Um, yeah, I, I am loving to see the resurgence of that. Are we going to start seeing more of that on Twitter, or are we just have, are we going to have to wait till next June to see more of that? You know what? I get asked about that one the most. Um, that's one of my favorites, Restanculous Tuesday. I just keep seeing this to be kind this unique snack food everywhere so i got a little obsessed with it 
there's a um, there's a store here uh, in you know the Chicago area called Super H Mart, and it specializes in just different types of like uh, Asian fare, you know. And of course, they have all these different snack foods from overseas, stuff that you would never imagine that you would want to try you know um of course everybody's familiar with your pocky and all the different varieties of that uh, all the different flavors of kit kat but we're talking like dried squid we're talking uh <laughs> just all these unique flavors and then um you know it's like you, you, you do a little bit more research and you see that pepsi is making a bean flavored soda <laughs> what? so that's a head scratcher you know was it was there really I a call to that i do <laughs> See, yeah, it's just you get a little curious about it. And then there was there really a call to add hot dogs to pizza crust? You know, Pizza Hut is doing that in Korea. I think they tried that over here too, actually. They, they did, yeah. I think, did. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course there's always Hardee's putting potato chips on their burgers. I mean, I thought I was the only one that did that, but apparently there's a call for it. So <laughs> by all means. Yeah, so I mean, just stuff like that. As long as Taco Bell and Pizza Hut are still in business, there will always be a Rismaculous Tuesday. Nice. Yes. Although I was disappointed, and I was kind of excited about the whole mystery box pre-order thing that Taco Bell was doing, and then it's like the quesalupa that has no cheese. Whoever finds cheese wins a prize or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was disappointed by that too. You know, as soon as um, we started seeing those mysterious pop-ups online and everything. Dolores asked me, she's like, are you going to sign up for one? I'm like, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> and I signed up. up for you too. <laughs> yeah, it was just so disappointing. I'm like, this is it? You, you, you give us Doritos, Locos, Tacos, and then you go to this? Come on. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, well, um, now this is something that's a little bit different for us on this show, but uh, I, I know you're a huge fan of professional wrestling. Um, a, as a kid... I love the old WWF. Not not so much the, I want to say, WCW, the rival that Hulk Hogan was in. Um, mm-hmm. But one of my friends had a few uh, wrestling pillowy toys that we would fight with. Um, I love the Ultimate Warrior. Um, I love the Undertaker as soon as he was introduced. Um, and I remember what kind of got me out of it was um, when Jake the Snake was wrestling and he was so big, um, Earthquake basically tied up his arms in the ropes and got his snake well we what we thought was his snake i'm sure it wasn't really but got his pet snake and put it out onto the mat and then killed it in front of jake the snake and i was just bawling tears streaming down (laughs) my face and my mom saw that (laughs) my mom saw that and i was talking with her she's like well well, maybe you shouldn't watch wrestling but 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 mom i gotta see him get back at that guy no no maybe you just shouldn't watch it anymore and as I got older and realized that it wasn't quite as real, but uh, you know, as someone who's a fan of that, and it's it's getting really popular among among you know the crowd who likes the same kinds of things we do. Sell us on professional wrestling. Why why should we as nerds be interested in professional wrestling today? Okay, um, I get I get asked this one quite a bit as well. I'm going to preface this with just keep an open mind because yes. The first thing that everyone tells you uh, when you tell them that you enjoy professional wrestling is, you know, that's fake, right? That's the first thing people say. Number one thing. And it's a weak argument. And I say that because most of the entertainment that we enjoy is fake. 
this yeah. is even but <laughs> most of it <laughs> go so far as to say all of it right right even in soccer i mean the flops these guys do when they just get like hit on the leg come on that's that's a total rick flair move right there so just putting and then all they the get up the so quickly and and so energetically exactly it's just like a little kid who's just like you know crying for no reason you know they're fake you know it's fake we get it wrestling's fake let's move on so that being said wrestling is live theater there's a uh there's a a a popular video uh that was making the rounds um a couple of months ago by max landis and max landis if you're not aware, is the son of Ben Landis. He was, you know, a popular writer and director in the 80s, did all kind of different movies. Uh, But his son, Max Landis, is a huge wrestling fan and also the writer of uh, Chronicle, that found footage film that came out a couple of years ago. Okay, Uh, yeah. Oh, and he also also did a, a, a cool video about the death and return of Superman where he got a lot of his celebrity buddies together and they kind of acted it out. And it was just really just, you know, cheap and, and slapped together. This is along those lines. But what's cool about it is it's uh, it, it takes focus on his favorite wrestler, uh, in particular, Triple H. Um, but the twist here is, is that not only do his celebrity buddies make appearances and that sort of thing, but every single wrestler is played by a woman. <laughs> Interesting. So Chloe Dykstra is Triple H. Uh, you have... <laughs> Oddly enough, you have uh, oh, who's the kid from Home Alone? I can't think of his name. Macaulay Culkin. Yes, yeah. Macaulay Culkin came out of retirement for a brief second <laughs> to be in nice. this. Uh, yeah, Seth Green makes an appearance. Uh, <laughs> kid from Sixth Sense. You know, Haley Joel Osment. Rather, uh, uh, I should have said the voice of Sora. I would have known that better. But yeah, a lot of people are in this video, and he just kind of runs down all these various reasons why he loves pro wrestling. And it's a half hour long, but I guarantee. You will be entertained, and this is the perfect primer. If I don't sell you on wrestling tonight, he's going to be the one that does it. So Max Landis' video is called Wrestling Isn't Wrestling, and a lot of what I'm saying I'm pulling from that. So as I was saying, wrestling, it's live theater. It's a a testosterone-fueled soap opera. It's the Harlem Globetrotters, and it's Barnum and Bailey all rolled into one. It's a spectacle. Suspension of disbelief is, is quite difficult at times, but... Every now and then, it's fantastic. So when you watch wrestling, don't consider it like it was in the 80s where you have, you know, this guy, he's from America. He's going to, you know, kick commie butts or whatever. (laughs) And you have all these (laughs) stereotypes from these other countries that we're at Uh war with. It was was all propaganda back then. But now they've they've twisted it a little bit uh, after uh, what's referred to as the Attitude Era. You know, where guys like Stone Cold and The Rock came along. Now it's a lot more like The Muppet Show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm really interested to see where this analogy is going. (laughs) Where it's it's less about what's happening out in the ring and more about them trying to make sure the show doesn't go off the rails backstage. (laughs) So you have Vince McMahon, who's always at war with some guy who's trying to take over the company. And, you know, they're cheering for this dude but they're booing this guy and the audience really wants this guy to win but he's not the he's not the golden child at the moment so he's <laughs> you know it's it's all over the place but there are a few wrestlers that if you're just getting into it I think you should focus on um, number one on the list and he's going to appeal most to the demographic that enjoys your show that enjoys GCPD 
His name is Xavier Woods. Mm-hmm. And he's a fairly... I'm sorry? A PhD? Yes, Xavier Woods, PhD, exactly. Um, he's, a, he's a newer guy on the scene, and he actually was the focus of an ESPN uh, 30 on 30 uh, a few months ago, I guess. But what's what's unique about him is that not only is he a competent wrestler, he's also a cosplayer. He's also a huge gamer with his own gaming channel called uh, Up, Up, Down, Down, where he and the wrestlers will be backstage and they'll have like Street Fighter tournaments, NBA Jam oh, tournaments, nice. Madden tournaments, you know, and it's just all like uh, live stream and all that. Uh, it's 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 really cool to see these guys on their downtime and what they're doing when they drop the characters and drop the hyperbole and just get to be themselves. And that's what you see a lot more. You see a, a window into these guys' lives. So guys like Xavier was a talented um I like him because he came out with uh, his hair done like Rufio a couple weeks ago. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, just little stuff like that. Little little stuff like that. Wrestling has definitely gone the way of the nerds, and that's great. <laughs> Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is currently playing a character named uh, Stardust. And he is the son of the legend Dusty Rhodes, who wrestled in the South all over the place. He had a really bad this, so he talked like this, baby, you know, just all over the place. So Cody Rhodes is probably a bigger geek than any of us combined. (laughs) Where the old school wrestlers in the 80s would go out drinking and smoking and doing drugs and having all kind of different times with women, what have you. He's in his hotel room. And he is constructing uh, Lego sets, Star Wars <laughs> nice. Lego sets. Nice. And so he'll put them up on Instagram. And what he'll do, since he can't take it with him, he'll leave the set in the room for the next kid that comes. And he'll put a T-shirt in there and a little handwritten note, you know, saying, hey, enjoy, you know. <laughs> so I wow. thought that was Yeah. See, and of course. N- n- now you're making awesome. it hard for me to cheer against him when he fights Stephen Amell. Oh, see, yeah, that's, yeah, I, I completely blanked on that. Stephen Amell, big wrestling fan. Um, you have all these different celebrities. We'll get to that in a second. But yeah, Cody Rhodes. Uh, oh, and he he frequently comes to the ring dressed as Mister Sinister from the X Men. So you gotta love that. That's pretty awesome. And then, of course, there's the poster boy. There's John Cena. You know, they do a mm-hmm. lot of charitable work. And John Cena. Uh, at this point, he has granted more make-a-wishes than anyone else in the company's history. So it's kind of cool to see that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge Cena fan, but I appreciate what he does. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, so, I, imagine, yeah. I imagine for so, a, a fan of the sport, it kind of is hard to be a big fan of him, just given that he wins so much. It would be nice to see some fresh stuff going on oh for sure yeah he's he's been on the show for a little while too so you know they've they've had a chance to kind of breathe without him just choking the uh the main event scene right now so that's nice yeah. very cool well i will uh i will give it a second chance in my uh in my old age <laughs> yeah it's a different product now man i mean if guys like john stewart can get into it I feel like, you know, I shouldn't be embarrassed for liking wrestling because <laughs> I respect Jon Stewart, you know? <laughs> As well you should. Yes. Um, so, 
You've you've talked about uh, that uh, the cast today is coming up in June, and some of the other things you're you're going on. Um, what are some of the other projects that you might be working now, or or where else could we see or hear more from you? Well, um, we are still uh, frequently updating MightyInc.net. Uh, actually, we're going to start putting up a lot more uh, gaming content in the near future. Uh, we've been having some pretty good talks with Telltale Games where we're getting exposure to some of the stuff that they're doing beforehand. So Ooh, I want to nice. start... Yeah, yeah. I love what they're doing over there. I mean, between uh, the Walking Dead series and, uh, of course, Tales from the Borderlands, which uh, Archie keeps telling me I need to play. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, they're doing big things over there, and they're just, well, and they, they have, don't show any sign of slowing down. Yeah, and they have what, both, I think they have both upcoming Batman and Marvel. I know Batman for sure. I think they have a Marvel one, too, as well, coming up. They do, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, they got a lot of stuff on Horizon. I'm impressed because, you know, with, with so many projects in the works at the same time, you think that something would kind of just be phoned in, but everything is always top notch with them. Yeah, so we have that going on, um, and I have been focused uh, primarily on really learning what the Chicago Nerd Social Club is about as well. Uh, we haven't actually had a chance to to go into uh, detail about that. Chicago Nerd Social Club is a, a group that I am a proud board member of. Uh, what they do, what we do, is we host different events uh, around the city of Chicago and the surrounding area. Uh, that focus on inclusion. So uh, we have a lot of fun stuff coming up. We uh, annually celebrate celebrate Pi Day, which is uh, coming up fairly shortly, you know, uh, March 14th. Um, now, we and- are talking about the pies that you eat and not the number pie, correct? Exactly. Okay, good. <laughs> but because we're nerds, we have to throw in that little, you know, tip of the hat. <laughs> so, yeah, um... Definitely check out the uh, the Facebook page for Chicago Nerd Social Club. All the details that you need are there to sign up for our newsletter so you can find out um, all the great stuff that's going on around the city. We frequently have discounts to uh, stuff like the uh, the night at the, the Adler Planetarium events that are uh, frequently happening. And like I mentioned, Pi Day is coming up, and that's going to be at the Cars Against Humanity Theater. So, yeah, just check that out. It's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, uh, just to piggyback on that a little bit, you know, they do some really cool stuff. Um, They have a Facebook page that's incredibly active. Um, And if you're local to the area, um, I highly recommend considering um, a paid membership. It's $10 a year. Actually, I I got in at $10 a year, but I think it went up to $20 a year. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, No, you're right. We we recently rolled it back to uh, to $10. So now is the time to join if you're thinking about it. Yes. And they have tons of discounts on really cool events in the area. Basically, if you go to, I would say, one event a year, it's it's more than worth it. And even if you don't go to any events, it's $10 towards a group that does really, really awesome things. Um, so especially if you're local to the Chicago area, I highly, highly re- recommend taking a look at that. Well, you guys are definitely making me think about moving to the Chicago area, I'll tell you that. You well, should, not- man. At least for the cons <laughs> alone, you should come out. C2E2 is coming up. Oh, that reminds me. The the Pie Day celebration where you can come and try all the various different pies we have. Uh, that's going to be the C2E2 kickoff. So you got to come check that out. Very nice. <laughs> come for the pie, stay for the con. 
Nice. <laughs> now, for those people who uh, might want to follow you on social media or the interwebs, um, we've talked about uh, MightyInc.net um, a couple of times, and we'll post a link for that on our Facebook page uh, and on the website as well. But um, where else might people find you on the Internet? They can follow me at GCPD Matt, and they can follow the site at GCPD Podcast. Uh, other than that, you can uh, stalk me if you're ever in the downtown area. So, yeah. Sounds good. Uh, well, interpret this how you will. Um, <laughs> but if we do not get I Was Afraid This Is Going to Happen Soon or some other podcast uh, from you soon, we might have to duct tape you to a chair and steal you for our podcast. Uh, see, <laughs> I, I just talked about stalking, so that's on me. That's on me. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not yeah, saying that as a threat. There. I'm not, I'm not trying to threaten you, but, but just take it as a threat. <laughs> well, consider this the first step in the right direction here. <laughs> I've got a newly minted agent number. I think things are going pretty well. I might have to reconsider that name. I was afraid this was going to happen because it sounds like one of those Kanye albums, and I don't want to be equated to Kanye at all. So, <laughs> good call, good call. <laughs> but yeah, um, we're, I'm going to get back in the saddle very soon. I promise you guys that in one way, shape, or form. Um, yeah, just we got a lot of stuff on the horizon I can't necessarily talk about yet, but you will be seeing more of me than you could possibly ever want. <laughs> I hope that's a promise. <laughs> okay, well, uh, during the break we were talking a little about Facebook um, and their new reaction buttons went live today. Um, so if you guys haven't seen it now, there's, uh, I want to say, a like, love, wow, um, some other happy emotion. Then there's sad, like a sad, and then there's hate. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if there's quite enough range of emotions to quite contain my feelings for posts about Donald Trump, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is an improvement. So, yeah. Have you guys seen much of that yet? Yeah, yeah they just kind of popped up today. on my phone. Yeah, it was just kind of weird. Just, hey, <laughs> hold down the button. Cool things will happen. I'm like, oh, all right, sure. <laughs> if you say so. It's <laughs> like those those videos where people say, you know, if you just type this and share it, cool things will happen. <laughs> 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 like what? People will mock me for being stupid for sharing this? Great. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think it kind of is cool that they're adding that, but I can see it also just being... <laughs> great way to make fun of people for posts uh, but, yeah uh, they need it they need I'm something, sure though, find something to complain about yeah because when people would post stuff about like hey my mom died blah blah and people were saying like to it i'm just like it just didn't <laughs> didn't register well for me so yeah yes yes yeah it kind of feels wrong to like when someone says they lost your job but yeah 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 it's kind of metal you know just get in there yeah Losing jobs, like. <laughs> it's like, Mom, I thought you loved me. What's the deal here? <laughs> you thought wrong, son. <laughs> I always knew he was my f your favorite son, not me. <laughs> now, I saw the guy that runs the oatmeal actually pitched quite a few of his own icons, but uh, <laughs> all of those are NSFWs, so I'll leave it to the listeners to look that up themselves. <laughs> 
Well, in slightly uh, in slightly happier news, um, so I don't know if you guys remember this. A while ago, Mattel came out with a really cheap uh, recording camera back when camcorders were really super expensive. Well, now they're coming out with the Mattel ThinkMaker, which is going to be a 3D printer you could get for $300. I have seen that, now, yes. I don't have $300 sitting around right now, but I'm thinking for a 3D printer, I uh, might have to uh, harvest someone's organs for sale on the international market. <laughs> uh, but yes, if you don't want to shell out massive amounts of money for your own... Uh, collectible action figures that might be a good way to go see now that's my question is the printer is three hundred dollars what service do you have to download the the blueprints and stuff because the thing obviously isn't going to print unless you know how to code the, <laughs> the thing to build your model or whatever um there is an app that i think is a free app now what will where there will be a cost that could be a problem is the supplies cuz obviously you'll have to have the the printing supplies that uh mm-hmm, that go yeah. with it um but the the app that's supposed to go for it is supposed to be free from what i understand mm. yeah as long i mean as long as you've got uh, access to ways to print things then i it could be worthwhile i don't know but i mean 300 dollars for a 3d printer is not a bad deal not at all no that's that's bargain when it comes down to it that's like the easy bake oven of 3d printers right there exactly yes. very good and dan you could finally make that metal battering that was supposed to come with uh the arkham arkham knight game yeah Okay. I'm still mad about now that. Now I want to. I want to buy this 3D printer just for that. Now, Dave, thank you very much. <laughs> now I got to find 300 dollars somewhere. Um, I'm just gonna bring up uh, that their uh, hostess is coming out with a um, Ghostbusters Twinkie. Uh, yes. Okay, now <laughs> I have green, not heard about this. Green slime in the middle too. Yes, so I, I, well, it's appropriate for a hostess because Twinkies were mentioned in the first Ghostbuster movie. Yes, they were. Um, something I'm actually more excited about, and we actually talked about this, I want to say, in one of the previous podcasts, but um, Ecto Cooler is also coming back. The high C Ecto Cooler is also coming back. Oh, oh yes. nice. Oh, wow. <laughs> so if you guys, you know, if you want to find ways to get diabetes a little, a uh, couple years early. <laughs> You now have two new ideas to add to the list. <laughs> and it's key lime flavor, right? Is that what I Is that understand? what it is? The Twinkies, yeah. Flavor, yeah. I'm pretty sure they said key lime. So that, I mean, it's an interesting flavor, at least. Yeah, well, see, I like key limes, but if, you, if, you, if you've ever eaten actual key lime pie, it has to be super fresh, otherwise it gets really viscous and bad really fast. Hence the slime, um, of course. Yes, and <laughs> that could be a whole new uh, snack experience. <laughs> oh, horrible mental images are just popping in my head right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can imagine Bill Murray. I've been slimed in my mouth. It <laughs> goes so many ways. So many ways. <laughs> You could just see slightly off screen someone writing him a check for ten million dollars for that. That is the advertisement right there. Yes. 
Oh, that would be great. Like, yeah, that, that that's the only appearance he needs to make for the movie, and I would be happy. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a trip? Like, I'm not doing the movie, but the ad campaign, yes, I'm in. Sign me up. Well, and you, you know, uh, I, I guess I was, uh, you know, I'm kind of excited for the movie, and this is a little bit off topic, but, uh, you know, people are saying that, you know, they're worried about women as Ghostbusters. I honestly don't care about that. I'm not even too worried about the actors not coming, like the original actors not coming back. Although I think Ernie Hudson is, from what I understand. Um, but Harold Ramis not being involved, I think, is my biggest concern for that. Yeah, that's unfortunate and sad. You know, just the the timing didn't work out, and we lost them way too early, that's for sure. Yes, yes, because he was involved in some of my favorite movies, obviously Groundhog Day and Ghostbusters, and uh, the much, much campier uh, Stripes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, if if someone, if one, any of our listeners out there could find a way to reanimate Harold Ramis, get on that post-haste. <laughs> but not in that consequential, weird way, like a bad genie, Don't don't do that. Yeah, we don't want any pet cemetery stuff either. No, no monkey paws. No, no. Unless you could bring back some uh, cursed Froger as well. <laughs> <laughs> I did get uh, some footage from uh, the Pillars of Eternity, uh, the first expansion put up onto the website. It's on my YouTube channel as well. Uh, again, I can't say enough good things about this game. If you like RPGs, Pillars of Eternity is where it's at right now. So, um, let's see. Hearthstone recently had their uh, preliminary matches for the Winter Championships, which is, uh, you know, it's like qualifying stuff for the World Championship at BlizzCon at the end of the year. And... I don't remember all eight of the people that qualified, but there were some pretty pretty good decks. Um, yeah. Other than that, not much uh, for video games for me this week. <laughs> it's been kind of a busy week. They say busy, busy is a good thing. I'm not sure I always agree. <laughs> uh, MP, have you been playing anything uh, lately? I have been stuck in Fallout, man. I just cannot shake that. I love it. It's just... I don't know. It's that's that same addiction. It scratches that same itch that I got from Skyrim. And I know a lot yep. of people are like, oh yeah, I finished it. I've moved on. But man, there's just so much to discover. And I don't really have a lot of time during the week to uh, to game. And I just moved and everything like that. So yeah, I mean, Fallout is pretty much where it's at right now. Actually, One does not simply finish Fallout. Yeah, I, was just say, <laughs> I actually just uh, beat the one ending today because um, I've been trying to get my backlog done before Division comes out. And, um, man, the decisions are hard in that game. Going back yeah, through. Yeah, they, they really are. <laughs> trying to get the other ending, two endings now. Um, I'm working on the, uh, the Institute's ending. And it's hard because I don't like the Institute. And I have to side with him in all this crap. And I'm just like, no, don't do it. <laughs> I just love the fact, uh, you know, because one of the reasons why it's taken me so long to finish is that my wife and I both made characters. And uh, she made hers back in November after we got done watching Jessica Jones. So ah. 
she made hers look exactly like Jessica Jones. And <laughs> every every reply, she's just lighting up that sarcasm button every single time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> staying true That's to form. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. So it, it, it gets some interesting results occasionally. It's kind of great. <laughs> That's cool. But, yeah, besides that, actually, um, I've been playing The Room 3 on Handheld 2. I, I have a an addiction to those games as well. Um, have you guys checked any of those out ever? The, the Room? No, I don't oh, think huh. so. So it's by this, uh, by this upstart company, Fireproof Games. Basically, this is the only uh, game franchise that they're working on. Uh, it's one of those... Uh, escape the room type of things but it's 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 a lot more intricate than the ones that you find for free on amazon um i actually got introduced to it uh by contributing to a humble bundle a couple years back the first one i think you can download the first one free it's in the uh it's in the, on android and on on your iphone as well um basically it's this huge castle that you're trying to get out of and you have to solve all these machiavellian puzzles and riddles and everything like that it's uh it's time consuming and battery consuming but it's a lot of fun when you're on the go nice that's cool i uh i've heard about those um real life puzzle like room places that you go to um it's like a like a laser tag place but instead of laser tag it's a room they put you in with a group and you have to figure out how to escape the room i don't know what they're called officially but um oh that's neat yeah my buddy uh yeah. My buddy John Castro went to one uh, recently where it, I think it was just called Can You Escape? And they're located downtown. Mm-hmm. He oh, said okay. he had a great time. Uh, it was him and a, a group of like four or five other people. Uh, you get in there. Everybody has something different to do. So you're all not like trying to figure out something with the phone. Uh, they give you a walkie-talkie. So if you get stuck, they can uh, radio and hints to you. Um, that's one variation. Another one that's uh, that's local is where they put you in the room with a zombie. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> and you have to escape in a certain amount of time or the chain that has the zombie uh, held to the wall just keeps getting longer and longer. Longer. <laughs> <That's awful. laughs> yeah, so that one that one uh that one sounds interesting to me. I might check that one out. Yeah, that'd be cool. I just going to say that'd be a really cool concept if they had something against you other than time. Yes. Like a- like obviously, they can't do harm to you, <laughs> but uh, that's a good idea. Oh, see, now now you just make me want to create a real-life betrayal at House on the Hill. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. It would be so hard to do, but if you could figure out a way to do it, like how to mod the house on the fly, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, you could just have such cool experiences. Oh, yes. Okay, uh, we, we need some uh, very wealthy investors to start just, just, just throw us money, and we'll we'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably. Yeah, throw us the money, and we we'll think about doing that <laughs> after we get some big screen TVs for the office. <laughs> yes, yes, 4K at least. Yeah, yeah. There's some. Uh, well, I think we're in a day and age now too, where stuff like that just wouldn't have done well back in the day. Um. You know, like uh, 20 years ago or whatever. But now I think that type of entertainment could could do really well um, for, you know, whoever. Like that, it's like that VR place in Australia where it's a, a house where you go through it with VR on. 
and you're experiencing everything in in VR. And that just I think that that's just so cool. We just have technology now, and people are just more open to that kind of entertainment. That I just that think does sound that pretty cool. Yeah, that kind of stuff just would would do way better. For sure, that that actually kind of reminds me, and that's just on the on the the gaming subject. Um, Universal Studios has those those Halloween Horror Nights, and every year they do a different theme. One of the uh, one of the biggest regrets of my life is not being there the year that they did the Maximum Carnage theme back when that was you know a big thing. Oh. So you had Carnage and all these other symbiotes and uh, Marvel villains chasing you around a haunted house and everything. Oh, that'd be <laughs> awesome. would have been amazing. Yes, and terrifying. Wow. But what they've been doing recently. Is and I think this is like every other year they alternate between um, like a Resident Evil theme and a Silent Hill one, and the oh, Silent nice. Hill on mazes are like award-winning. People rave about them. Of course, you got the dude in the sock with the giant knife and the pyramid head. Uh, right, yeah, pyramid head. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the, the closest thing we'll get to Silent Hill. So. Uh, well, you know, with Kojima and uh, Del Toro still working together, hopefully something will happen eventually. But uh, sadly, it won't be Silent uh, Hill. But uh, it could make something. Thank you, more. Konami. Thank yeah, you. No joke. I, I kind of lo- like the Konami code a little bit less now because of that. It was just like you're ruining even my childhood memories. Right. <laughs> it's so weird how but these game companies just push out these, you know, these legendary creators. Like, yeah. can you imagine Nintendo doing? Something like that to Miyamoto? Oh, yeah, it's no, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah right. Got to show they have the power. So I don't know why they do it. It's, it is. It's just ridiculous. Like taking it, when the Bulls had Michael Jordan, it would be like pushing him off the team. It's just like stupid. Like you just, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I haven't been playing a whole ton later uh, lately. Uh, I've been pretty busy with some, you know, with everything that's been going on with my whole computer crash, but, uh, um, you know, Division Beta was awesome. Um, the open beta hit, I think, 6.4 million players, and there is, I mean, there were issues, there are going to be issues with every beta, and the game's going to have issues on release, but in terms of server issues especially, which has been a huge problem for Ubisoft, there were very, very few server issues for that. Um, That's good think, to hear. Yeah, I think um, the only time I really noticed it was um, Saturday morning um, for the when I was showing my brother the game, and uh, that was the only time we noticed rubber banding or any type of major issues like that for the game. But other than that, man, it just ran smooth the whole time. Yeah, um, and aside from that, um, you know, which which we have talked about on end, uh, there is another game that I've been playing a little bit of. But because of stupid NDAs, I can't even talk about it. Um, you, you know, I, I really want to look into if uh, we could get permission to start talking about something. Because I would be happy to promote interesting games, but with an NDA, I can basically just put a bunch of static every time I say something. And, yeah, no one wants can, to do that. Can you tell us about your cousin's experience when he called you about it? <laughs> <laughs> um, my my cousin, who will call. Dave <laughs> was playing a game that involved cars. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I really haven't been doing too much else. Um, 
I've I've been wanting to get in some of the GTA stuff. They've been having for Grand Theft Auto Five. They've been having a bunch of events in a row with like double money. Um, we did the VIP stuff, but I've just been too busy to get in on some of the other stuff. Um, this week it's been all their contact missions. They've had double money, and it's still good through tomorrow, I think. But I haven't done any of that. Um, but I have been really tempted, you know, um, with the 30th anniversary of Legend of Zelda to pull out my old original Nintendo and my Super Nintendo and play some of those games. Um, so, for those of you who haven't heard or haven't seen some of the posts, that is the 30th anniversary of the release of The Legend of Zelda on the original Nintendo. Um, one of the biggest franchises of all time. Um... And I was just thinking about it, and I was just, I can't imagine how many hours I've put into those games. Unfortunately, um, when I was growing up, we didn't have enough money to get the N64, so I missed out on a big chunk of games. Um, but I played a ton of Zelda 1. Zelda 2 I liked a lot, but it felt pretty different. Zelda 3 was, for a good 15 years, probably my favorite game. Just the funnest game mm-hmm. of all time. Um, what were some of your, what were some of your, your favorite uh, Zelda games? So I really didn't get hooked on the Legend of Zelda series until Link to the Past. I got to be honest with you, it's a great um, game. It is just the the storytelling in that game, the 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 gameplay elements themselves. It just hooked me like nothing else did. The first one, of course, is a classic, but. You know, of course, I kind of missed the boat on that because I didn't get a Nintendo until well into its cycle. Uh, And, of course, uh, Zelda 2 was kind of booty, but (laughs) that wasn't really (laughs) anybody's fault. They got a little too ambitious for their own good, I think. I don't know. Um, But Zelda 3 just seemed to hit hit that stride perfectly. To the point where I was, I was even happy to get the newer one that came out for the uh, for the 3DS, where they went back and uh, you know used that same design scheme and everything. Oh, are you talking about the uh, redone Majora's Mask on DS? Oh no, no, this was a, a newer one. Oh my goodness, it's it's the name escapes me, but it oh, was uh, with the four color links. Oh, it, it, mm. yeah, I know. What yeah, it was the one where you could. Uh, oh, it was a link between worlds. A link between yeah. worlds. There you go. Yes, where you could kind of merge with the wall. It's st- it had that same uh, it had that same vibe to it, which was uh, you know like coming home again from a long trip. It was a uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, and of course, um, I'm looking forward to playing Twilight Princess when it comes out uh, in a couple of weeks because I completely missed the boat with that one, and it just looks beautiful. This new HD remake of it. Yeah, it does. So I was one of those that Legend of Zelda literally... I mean, I liked playing games before, but after I played Legend of Zelda, I was hooked. I completely fell in love with gaming. I spent hours upon hours drawing icons from the the game. You know, just anything at all I could do. I read the instruction book like a million times. (laughs) My favorite... um, And this is actually a, a little generational thing. My son has been watching the uh, Super Mario Brothers Super Show on Netflix. When I was a kid, I watched that show, and my favorite episodes were always the Legend of Zelda episodes. They were the coolest. And so sometimes, they don't have the Legend of Zelda episodes on Netflix, unfortunately. It's not part of the same show or something like that. But well, um, they do have the previews for them, 
Oh. And my son likes to watch the previews, too, so I'm like, oh, that's great. I think they're a separate show on Netflix, but last time I checked, they, they were on Netflix. I'll have to find them, because I haven't seen them. That's yeah, such a tease. Just, That's such a yeah, tease, think, man. Like, yeah. that was always my favorite part of the week, because what they would do when it was airing originally, they would have the Super Mario Brothers Super Show uh, Monday through Thursday. Yes, and then, exactly. Yes, and then Friday was Zelda time. <laughs> yep, every Friday I was like, this is awesome. I'm here for Zelda. Ganon, go be mean somewhere else. Lincoln Zelda rule. <laughs> well, excuse me. <laughs> I mean, it gets a lot of crap now, but when you look at the animation quality of this show compared to what was out at the time, mm-hmm. it was pretty good. Yes, it was. I, you know, a lot of corny jokes and stuff like that, but it was it was a good show for kids, and I'm glad my son enjoys it as well. So, um, But let's see. Uh, Zelda 2, again... Going back and thinking about it now, I like it much more now that I'm older, just because it's so different. But at the time, I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. But I still played the snot out of it and, and beat it a couple of times, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, like Dave was saying, the Zelda 3 on uh, the uh, Super Nintendo just blew me away. It was it was great. Um, played that one for hours upon hours upon hours. And then I got to uh, Link to the Past. I must have played through that one at least twice. I checked every guide, made sure I got every single item, you know. <laughs> Zelda 3 was a Link to the Past. Oh, no. So good he played it twice. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> right there with you. Yeah. Oh, my word. Um, yeah. So, anyway. Um, then we got to the Super Nintendo... <clears throat> Excuse me, the Nintendo 64 ones that Dave missed. And Ocarina of Time was absolutely amazing. It was the main reason that I bought an N64. Um, And then we got to Majora's Mask. And unlike Zelda 2, this one was just so off-beat and off-kilter that it it kind of pushed me away from the series for a while. So... After Majora's Mask, I played it and I beat it one time, but after that I, I kind of fell away from the Zeldas. I did the Game Boy ones, but I didn't follow anything into the GameCube or anything like that, so that's my Zelda history. Yeah, I, I talked a little bit about on the, on our first podcast how uh, you know we, we bought The Legend of Zelda before we even owned a Nintendo and would play at my neighbor's house. Um <laughs> Zelda 2, I, I honestly didn't like as much. It had its good points. I mean, it was definitely worth playing. Um, it still has its fans, though. Uh, um, if any of you follow um, some independent developers, uh, Minor Key Games is making Gunmetal Arcadia, um, which is looking pretty good. And that looks, let's just say, very inspired by Zelda 2. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, Zelda 3... Like I said before, I, I for for probably a good fifteen years, I would have said that um, what what was in America called Final Fantasy three, which is now Final Fantasy six, was my yes. favorite game of all time. But mm. the funniest game I had ever played, um, I still might have to say that would be uh, Link to the Past. Um, but uh, just one quick story um, before, even before, I think it was, maybe it was right after my wife and I started dating. Um, 
I had lent her my original Nintendo and all my games. And what what one of the things that really clinched it for me was uh, I went over there and I started drawing something. It's like, oh, what what what's that on that graph paper? And she had done a square by square actual map of the Legend of Zelda. Wow. I had no so idea like, Marcy did this. I want a copy of that. Make <laughs> I, her I draw a new one it. if you lost the old one. <laughs> I, I think we might still have it, but yeah, that's like... I, I think I might have found the one here. <laughs> well, and in in your defense, Dave, I honestly think that that was a pretty big uh, indication whether she picked up on it or not. Any man <laughs> willing to part with his Nintendo and all of his games has uh, some serious feelings for a lady. I'll tell you that right now. I was about to say, that's, yeah, that's real deal love right there, man. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I, I, do, I did lend it to one person beforehand. I never got Mike Tyson's punch out back, so... Uh, Ooh, ouch. Yeah, yeah see, I, I learned, I learned it's my... It's gotta lesson. be love. Yeah. It's yeah, gotta yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Uh, Dan, did you play uh, seeing the Zeldas much? Um, I didn't play a lot of the Zeldas. I did play um, whatever one was on Super Nintendo, I think it was. Um, the one that I biffed up on, The Link to the Past. <laughs> okay, so I played a little bit of that one, or whatever one. I just remember it being really hard, so I never beat it. And then I played Ocarina of Time and a little bit of Majora's Mask. And then I played Wind Waker. And then a little bit of Twilight Princess, but I never beat that either because I played it when a friend was visiting and he brought his GameCube. Or not GameCube, but Wii. Mm -hmm. But I've loved them. I've loved what I've played, but yeah, I just never um, got into the series. I think I've only, I've only beat Ocarina of Time. That's the only one I've ever beat. <laughs> or actually, no, I didn't beat it because I got to um, whatever the, the final dude is. I can't remember his name. I want to say Gondor. Ganon. And that's totally wrong. Ganon. Ganon. And uh, yeah, I got to Ganon. I could not beat him either. So yeah, I've never beat a, a Zelda game. But. That my <laughs> friend right. is sad. Yeah, we might have to rectify that one of these days. Yeah, Probably. I did like I did like Ocarina a lot though. But that was back when open world games, if you want to call it that, was, you know, oh, they were pretty open world. Yeah, they were non-existent, really, so it was really cool having that setting and being able to ride the horse and the way they did the puzzles with the, um, is it called the ocarina? What's the, the music thing that he used? Yeah. It was the ocarina, yeah. Okay, yeah, so using that with the puzzle, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, and, you know, across all the games, some of the Zelda games have had better music than others, but the music has always been so iconic um, through all of them. And you know that's one of the, my favorite things about, especially about Zelda Three, was not only was it the good music, but it was on such a better sound quality system um, than the original <laughs> Nintendo. But uh, you know, when I was when I was looking up things this week, um, especially about Zelda, I was noticing that um, depending on which source you look at it, it looks like across all eighteen Zelda titles, um, they've sold about sixty-five million copies. And I'm I'm sure that back then the um, the install base for the Nintendos and the Game Boys and everything else was smaller than it is today, probably. Mm -hmm. But Grand Theft Auto Five by itself has sold over fifty mil or sixty million copies. Yeah, sixty-five million something like that. And so it's 
it's just amazing to me that a game that's a single game has sold as much as the most icon, arguably the most iconic franchise of all time. And I kind of wonder what that means for the future of games, especially diversity of games. Well, the the thing you have to think about with GTA 2 is it was released across um, different generations and on every platform. Exactly. So, I, I'm true. sure that it's the second one. That's the biggest influence. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I yeah, mentioned I mean, the... that I bought a Super or an N64 just to play Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. There isn't a game out there right now that I would specifically go and buy an entire console just to play. Yeah, At this yeah point that's true. Time. The install base for the Wii, the Wii U, like Nintendo's install base, it seems to be getting smaller and smaller. So yeah. there's not that many folks that own a Nintendo console mm-hmm. that are like like Matt was saying, willing to shell out that much dough just to play Zelda anymore. Yeah, well, and also, I mean, you could argue that uh, a lot of people who have bought Grand Theft Auto Five have have bought it more than once. I bought it, I bought the disc version for the Xbox 360, then I bought the digital version for the Xbox 360, then when it came out on the Xbox One, I bought the digital version for that, and as soon as I can, <laughs> as soon as I can get a PC, a new PC built, I'm going to get it for the PC, so that's four copies right there, but at the same time, I bought, I've bought two copies of the original Zelda, I've bought the Zelda 2, Zelda 3, and the Game Boy game, which, the title which I don't remember, so it, it's kind of a wash for me, but, uh, but yeah, I think install base is part of it, but I, I am worried that, uh, uh, on the one hand, I'm just afraid that developers are just going to go for these big blockbuster games and not do some of these smaller games. But also, on the note of Nintendo small install base, I would what I would kind of like to see, and we've talked about this before, is I'd kind of like to see Nintendo get out of the system business, the console business. Do like Sega did, yeah. Create multi-platform games for the existing people. Because I would love to go back and play those old games, but right now I just can't buy a, a Wii. Yeah. And there's not enough on a Wii, in my opinion, to be worthy of, for me, buying one either. Yeah, I second that. I I own a Wii, and I basically got it for Bayonetta 2, Smash Brothers, and Mario Maker. Those are all fun games, but I can't honestly say that any of them uh, have gotten extensive playtime in my household. I mean, they're... Nintendo games, I don't know, they just feel more like toys. They feel like a novelty. Whereas I can really get into the meat of something like Fallout or a Grand Theft Auto or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I totally understand exactly what you mean. My son um, has a friend, and he's got a Wii U. I think he's got the Wii U now. And he wants to go over and he wants to play those games because they're, they're quick games that you can play. They don't require a lot of attention span. I keep telling him that I'm not going to buy him a Wii U because <laughs> the games just aren't up to that quality. He doesn't understand yet that Skylander Swap Force, for example, is not a great game. He just sees that, oh, cool, I get to switch my characters around. Well, there are other games that you can play with actual good gameplay in them, and we don't have to spend you know money on all the figures. We don't have to buy a new console for them, so... Oh yeah, but those Disney, like Disney Infinity and the the Lego one, um, Dimensions, uh, yeah, Lego Dimensions. Oh, 
I, I, I have to stay strong on those because you could, they, they look so amazing and I could just spend thousands of dollars on that stuff if I let myself. Yeah, he used to be bugging me for a Disney Infinity too, but I'm like, no, we're not going to do that one. Sorry. There is something to be said for games that are, you know, just fun games you can sit down and play and not have to invest hundreds of hours in, but... That's true. You know, but I, I just, you know, I would love to see just Nintendo do what Sega did and take all their awesome franchises and their unique ideas, because they do have unique ideas that no one else is doing, and just make them multi-platform on better quality consoles. I agree. Splatoon, for example, um, it's like the only first-person shooter that came out last year that was even mentioned in any kind of Game of the Year posts. But a lot of that got a lot of hype for it. But again, it was only for the Nintendo, so a lot of people didn't play it. Um, yeah, there there isn't anything new other than the beta, which we already talked about for Division. I as well am in another closed beta, which I can't talk about. Um, actually, and then I was I did play uh, Tryon Games, who um, did uh, they're famous for Rift and um, Defiance. Um, oh, yeah. they, they're coming out with a game called Alpha Reactor, and there wasn't an NDA on that. I, was, I tried the pre-alpha test this week, and it's a turn-based, set up like XCOM, almost exactly like XCOM, the way you move your character and stuff, but it's on this, it, instead of being turn-based with everybody else that you're fighting, it's a um, same time. So they have three different stages that you plan for, and then you activate the the um, actions, and then people predict your movement, predict attacks with AOE or whatever, and then hope to land a hit. But you can see them, obviously. You just don't know where they're going to go. So you see where they're at on the board, but you don't know where they're going to go on the next turn. So you have to think, okay, if I was that person, where would I go? So it's like a little bit of a head twister. Like my first few matches, I was just like, man, this is weird. But um, <laughs> but it probably didn't help that I was playing XCOM before that, too. But um, yeah. But it is a cool concept, and, I, and the art style is really cool. It's it's kind of like a MOBA mixed with turn-based, so um, I like it with the different characters and stuff. They have some humor in it. But uh, right, obviously, what it's just called again. Um, ah, crap! What did I say? <laughs> uh, Atlas Reactor. Atlas Reactor. Okay. Yeah. But uh, it it could be could be interesting. It's a different way of doing. So I haven't seen anybody do anything like it, honestly. And especially with the MOBA things being so popular, it could be something pretty good for them. Because um, they took a hit with the uh, failure of... Um, keep wanting to say Destiny and Division. There's way too many Ds in these MMOs. Um, <laughs> oh, are you but, talking uh, about Defiance? Yeah, with their failure of Defiance. And I'm not sure if it ever like picked up, but I mean they had a whole studio shut down because of it didn't do very well. Um, so Tryon kind of needs something, and so maybe this could be something for them that... Get some backup speed, but in, I get in defense of the game, I would like to say that I watched the TV show at least one episode of it, and I didn't care for it. So that's why I never played the game. Oh, so gotcha. I blame television. <laughs> yeah, and that could be the case. I mean, the game wasn't beautiful graphically by any means, so that'd be hard to sell. Um, I I liked it, but it had a very short shelf life. Um, uh-huh. Because they just didn't have a lot to do, and my understanding is they've made a lot of changes. There are, there's a uh, people that love Rift, and once the studio that got shut down that made Defiance uh, inherited it, they added a lot of things that people liked about Rift into Defiance. 
So my understanding is that it got better, nice. but I just don't know if it got the numbers that they ever needed. But obviously, it's still running, so maybe they did. But uh, but this, so I was just going to mention that. Keep your eye open for Atlas Reactor. It's pretty good. Um, the uh, March Games with Gold, they got leaked early, so Microsoft came out and announced them early. And they're actually a pretty good, uh, pretty good list for um, the... Uh, Oh my gosh, now I'm going to forget the name of the series. Super popular. It's like the masochistic series of of the generation. Dead Dark Souls, or, is that what you're thinking Dark of? Souls. Dark Souls, yeah. Dark Souls, which I tried, and I just couldn't get into it myself. It just wasn't my style of game, I guess. I could see the appear- the appeal to it, though, and I and I did like the combat system. But um, but there's a game that's going to be the, the uh, free game of the month. Um on the 15th of March, called uh, Lords of the Fallen, which is very much a Dark Souls-inspired RPG. And I actually got it on sale over Christmas. It was like, I think it was like 19 bucks or something like that. I can't remember. Um, and I played it, and the very first boss I can't beat. <laughs> so it's very <laughs> it much sounds down like that kind of game, yeah. Yep, very much that type of game. And it's just something like something that just doesn't click in my brain right for those so i just need to sit down and play it and try to learn it but uh because same thing with dark souls i could not beat the first boss like i could get to the dragon but i couldn't beat him it just bugged the crap out of me. i don't know if that was the first boss but for me that was the first boss and um so i just uh but i like i like their concept for the game and then they're doing sherlock holmes which i haven't heard too much but when it came out people were saying it's a good um good uh, adventure game or whatever you want to call it but so they have some different and then borderlands is going to be on the 360 backwards compatible for one so there's some good oh and then supreme for uh supreme commander two. so there's some uh, pretty good variety there for this month so they've been kind of weak sauce a little bit the last few months so looks like a good month for the gold on xbox and you had also mentioned um that uh Mind, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but something about uh, the, if you buy a game on Xbox, it'll be uh, free on PC, like a cross-buy program. Yeah, yeah, free about that. Uh, just my understanding was that uh, basically, if you buy it on the Xbox, it'll be available for free on your Windows 10 PC. If you buy it on your Windows 10 PC, it'll be available on your Xbox One. Um, so, if I'm understanding that correctly, it looks like it could be a pretty sweet deal for people who have both. Yeah, for so specifically, they're doing it for Quantum Break, their first. Um, oh, obviously they're doing it for first party games only um, but uh, Quantum Break is the first one they're going to be doing it for uh, which is a really good deal because I, I like to have I like to since I have a PC that's semi-powerful I like to see what games look like on it compared to my Xbox counterpart and so but I never will buy a game just to do that unless I really like the game like uh, some games I just buy twice just because I love them so much like GTA 5 I got on PC <laughs> as well and um, and I actually did a, a, a side-by-side comparison of GTA on PC and GTA on Xbox One, um, and it was ultra settings and everything on GTA. And honestly, the Xbox One holds up pretty well, so I'm pretty happy with that. But um, uh, but yeah, so I'm glad that Microsoft is doing that because it looks like they might be doing it for the Ultimate Edition of Gears because they've been saying there's been rumors that it's been showing up for a Windows 10 game. And then Quantum Break, and then obviously that would include some of their other games that come out. But it'd be—I think that's a, a smart move on their part because they're promoting both platforms. So 
I like the idea. See, that is the kind of thing that would get me to buy an Xbox One. I don't have an Xbox One yet, but if I knew that I could buy a game for Windows and then go and play it with you guys on the Xbox One, that would be a draw for me. So I think yeah. that's a good idea. Yep, very much so. And um, they've, there's been talk for a while of the app games on Windows 10 uh, making the transfer to the Xbox One. Um, but it's just, yeah, nothing's come from it. But that's just, yeah, just the more connected they get, the better, I think. And we've never had a we've never had a platform that has done that. There's always been a separation there. Yeah, so I was playing uh, Fallout today, and I read that they're going to be doing mod support probably in May for the Xbox and PlayStation version. So I'm really curious if they're going to have a uh, mod kit for the game, so you can make your own mods on the Xbox, or if it's just going to be a download um, mod support from PC. I'm really curious how they're going to do that. Okay, so, yes, Fallout. I'm very interested in what they're going to do with these mods because I personally am looking forward to Thomas the Tank Engine just wrecking havoc. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's that's why I bought the game. I don't know about anybody else, but that's what I'm waiting on. <laughs> that does sound pretty awesome. Yeah. You, you don't want Macho Man Randy I've seen some footage. There's, there's, there's also... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I've seen the Randy Savage one, too. That was hilarious. He'll snap into you like a Slim Jim. <laughs> I was just watching one today where they had the uh, First Order Stormtroopers take on the Brotherhood of Steel. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. yeah I, I just want Chrome Armor for my all my characters and everything I play from now on. And... <laughs> Maybe in real life as well. <laughs> I'll just walk around with it wherever I go. Yeah, and, and uh, I guess I should. I mean, XCOM Two. I've been playing a lot of. Um, in XCOM Two, he came out with some more Star Wars helmets, and he finally came out with the First Order, so the newer newer helmets. But he didn't have any Chrome versions of them, and there's no like Chrome paint scheme in the game. So even if he did come out, I mean, all you'd have to do is Chrome up a First Order helmet. But I could mm-hmm. sadly, I couldn't make you into. A woman. Aww. That's all right. <laughs> My wife probably will appreciate that. Yeah. In uh, <laughs> speaking of XCOM two though, the the group that I have, I I have a group that was in the last XCOM that came out. I called them Rhino Squad, and it was all my not all my real life friends, but a squad of my real life friends, and carried them over into XCOM two. And uh, it's been a much harder game, and we have all been in the hospital multiple times like i've had to pull on some <laughs> some rookies because we've all gone down and almost died there's one time where uh, brennan had one more turn and he would have died but i killed the last uh, the last um enemy like on that that turn and so he was able to survive because there's no health kits there's no way i was going to revive him. i mean he was just dead but <laughs> it's been a great game though it is it is a lot harder. They've thrown in some uh, really creative uh, aliens to make change things up from the last game. So, yes. and I love the detail. It's like um, it's like a tabletop game, but then you can see it's like the micro and macro detail that they have, and it is just amazing because they show cinematics. It's all in engine, and you do certain abilities, and they zoom up close to the character, and you can see all the details, like the the different armors. Because I've downloaded a whole bunch of different themes from the workshop on Steam. 
So, um, nice. yeah, so it's just uh, like I have everybody in Star Wars helmets, and then I have Mass Effect, um, the Mass Effect flag for all our um, all our squad mates, and then um, different armors, but I can't figure out how to get the custom armors. They're all just the in-game armor, so I don't have any custom armors yet because I downloaded the Mass Effect armor scheme too. But I, my goal was to get Star Trek, Star Wars, and Mass Effect all in our creation of our squads who are all like um, melted into the, all the sci-fi universes. But Just battling out to see who's the best uh, sci-fi universe there, huh? Yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> Just no red shirts. No red shirts. Actually, somebody, character. Yeah, somebody came out with a mod on the workshop called the red shirt mod. So you can have nothing but red shirts. <laughs> uh, that wouldn't play out very well. <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend XCOM 2 though. It is amazing, really well done. Um, so Wolverine three looks like it will be an alternate version of Old Man Logan. Um, but it will just like the Civil War is not going to be the Civil War from the comics. Old Man Logan will not be the Old Man Logan from the comics because Fox just doesn't own all the rights to all the characters they need. But it will be. Wolverine as an old guy. Um, it's supposedly after the success of Deadpool, they're thinking they're leading towards an R rating for that. How? Uh, All right. See, I would be interested in an R rated Wolverine because the other Wolverine ones, as PG and PG thirteen, have been pretty tame. I'm not gonna lie. They, they don't fit the character as much as you would think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I I'm not gonna disagree with. I, I, I will agree that, yes, uh, Wolverine's character, an R-rated movie, could work with that, but I don't think that was the problem with those movies. Yes, yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. No. There's, there's many problems on the list before that. Yes, you're right. Now, here's oh. here's an idea. With, with the Wolverine franchise, I think as long as Hugh Jackman is playing Wolverine, they should stray away from that R rating. And I say that because he's become so much the face of the X-Men franchise at Fox if you all of a sudden now go hey kids you can watch Wolverine for some reason if you want to if you feel like punishing yourself you can watch the Wolverine (laughs) you know but oh no you can't watch the third one that's off limits that's That's going to be a hard sell Yeah, that's going to be a very hard sell it was bad enough getting parents to keep their kids out of theaters for Deadpool and (laughs) this is the first iteration of that character yeah that's true I didn't think about that it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky to to get that going. I, I I don't know what they plan to do, but I mean, I'm guessing it would just be rated R for the amount of violence involved. Uh yeah yeah yeah. I can't really see Wolverine swearing up a storm, but who knows? I mean, he does I'll drop bomb a lot in the comics, from what I've from what yeah, I've seen. He's but. not as obscene as Deadpool. I did go and see the movie uh, yesterday, so I got to experience that at least. You like it? <laughs> it was pretty funny. The story was a little bit flat, but mm-hmm. uh, overall, it was a, a good movie to watch. It was pretty obscene. I mean, oh, like, yeah. literally yes. obscene. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, it, uh, it, it worked pretty well. What do you think about the uh, scene I was talking about where he's breaking his bones? Oh, on Colossus? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was funny. I don't know yeah. what he kept hitting him for. It's like, dude, come on. <laughs> um, but anyway, going back to the Wolverine thing, um, uh, he, I, I, I remember in the comics, he used to uh, swear 
but it was more like you know just generic swear words and there was a lot of him going berserk so that's kind of what i think we would see in the wolverine r-rated movie so i'm not i'm not as familiar with the old man logan storyline how do they explain him aging if he can regenerate i agree i want to know about this as well well, I mean, he just he ages at a slower rate. So if he was around during World War One, as they showed in the uh, in the opening to the first Wolverine movie, mm-hmm. it, I guess it would well, it would make also sense. Also, the Revolutionary War, I believe. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. They went back further than that. So it was yeah, the Revolutionary. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, he's due to get a little gray. You know. Technically, given his last name, um, Logan Howlett, I would be related to him because all the Howlets that were in America and then, that's, that's my family line, so uh, him and I were cousins. Nice. I am so jealous right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree. My understanding is the same, that yeah, he ages, but he ages just incredibly slowly, um, and it's set in the future. He is fighting characters that we've come to know in the future, but it's comic books, and so you know Peter Parker should be like you know wearing diapers now. And see, that was my biggest problem with the second um, X Men one um, after First Class. Um, oh my word! Oh, uh, Days of Future Past. Yes, Days of Future yeah. Past. That's only what some fifty years or something like that. Probably even less than that. Thirty years in the future from the other movies. He's lived for hundreds of years, hasn't gotten gray, and then all of a sudden, in 20 or 30 years, he's starting to get gray. It's like, I'm not buying it, guys. <laughs> well, uh, these are You have to remember, these are comic books, though, and like all of the characters that were created in the 1920s and 1930s and 1940s are, you know, a lot of the characters we still have today. It just time works differently in comic books, and that's just... <laughs> That's just you know. That's just how it is. <laughs> okay, speaking of time, uh, the uh, we get to see uh, uh, older Green Arrow this week on um, the uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Oh yeah, yes. And uh, so that's getting some hype as far as um, the the scenes that are there. But uh, Legends, it's it's not looking too good for his city though. Yeah, yeah. Um, Legend of Tomorrow, there's been the concept there. I really like the concept, but some of the acting and this the story there is kind of falling flat for me personally. I haven't been as excited about Legend of Tomorrow as I was for Green Arrow and Barry at the same moment in time in their series. So, um, but I'm liking it. It's just a lot of my favorite things are the uh, connections to the other shows, not so much the show itself. But um, I don't know if you guys have been watching to have a different opinion on that or not. But I agree uh, with you. I feel like that uh, Legends of Tomorrow is it's the auxiliary show. It's the deep end of the pool. So if you're really you know into the lore that they've been building over the past few years on Arrow and uh, and and the Flash, then this is definitely the show for you. Uh, it's at its very core, it feels like a poor man's Doctor Who, and that's saying something because the budget for Doctor Who is little or nothing. <laughs> You go back and watch some of those earlier episodes in the new series, and it's just like, wow, they have people in morph suits pretending to be mannequins. That's great. <laughs> I digress. Legends of Tomorrow, I, <laughs> it's a show about time travel, and they only time travel every other episode. And that started to kind of get under my skin to the point where this was going to be the episode that I missed. This is going to be the one where I'm like, I'll tape it if I feel like watching it over the weekend, sure. 
Then I saw that beard on Ollie, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I got to check it out. <laughs> yeah. And supposedly yeah. he's even, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't say anything because it might be considered spoilers for people, but but there's some other things they've touched on that that uh, hint at the comic book storyline. So, so that's why a lot of people from the show are excited about it because of all the Easter eggs they're leaving there for Ollie and his future. But. I guess we'll see. Yeah, and Deathstroke makes an appearance, which I don't know if it's uh, um, the dude, and I cannot remember his name, who played Deathstroke, but he, so far, has been the best villain in either of the DC shows, I think, on CW so far. He just was so good. But. Yeah. Yeah, it just, you know, it. I want it to work. I've wanted it to work more than the other two, just because we've seen how successful WB has, or CW has been at making the DC shows, and so you think, okay, there are some cool characters here. Yes, they are sort of the auxiliary characters, but we've seen them be so successful, this could be really, really good, and it's just, it hasn't hit, they don't know what they're doing with it yet. Right. Um, it took with with the arrow. It took them a little while to figure out what they were doing with the characters, and so maybe it'll take them a while to hit their stride. But yeah, it's just it's not there for me yet. But I have hope. Yeah, and I'll definitely give it its chance because of the other show. I mean, Flash is just not only is it my favorite superhero show right now. It's probably one of my favorite shows on TV right now. I just every every week they just nail it. I don't I don't know how they do it. And Grant Gustin is just amazing. But um. Yes. Yeah, it's oh, it's so good. But so it does have a lot to live up to. So I'm giving it that that benefit of the doubt too. But uh, but I do hope that they they find some you know like what you said they need to find their identity and and go with, go with it. Yeah. Well, speaking of crossovers, we are getting more and more images of the Flash appearing on Supergirl, and we're not getting what's actually happening in the show. But at least uh, in it looks like uh, they're having a lot of fun on it, so yeah, um, that's coming up soon. Almost every picture, I think they're both laughing in every picture on that set photos, the set photos or whatever you see. So I thought that was pretty funny. I love that. Yeah, it looks like they're having a great time, and yep. you know that definitely communicates on screen, like you said with uh, with Grant Gustin. He's he brings so much life to that show. I mean, it's it's great to see a superhero be happy. For once, yep. you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he does, and the happy is good. But then when there's drama, he does that really well too. Oh, um, such a great yeah. cast! And the guy that I'm, yeah. I'm not familiar with the actor's name, the gentleman that plays uh, 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 Joe West, he yes. is oh, phenomenal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like you want to cry sometimes, <laughs> like just when he's feeling it. <laughs> you, you feel it too, you know. And I'm glad that they finally had him sing on there. Now, this is completely out of left field nerdy, but uh, (laughs) I want to say about a year ago or so, when The Flash was still new, they had a lot of cast members singing the theme song for Firefly. And those guys can sing. Look it up. If you haven't seen it, look it up. I will try to post a link to it on the Facebook page or something. Uh, But those guys can sing. And so it was really cool to see him singing on the show. Because yeah, he, he's got pipes. Yeah, he does. He didn't. Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up. That I really liked that when they did the Earth Two episode where he sang. Um, and we will we will get more on Flash later. Um, uh, we will get back to that. But uh, I am 
a little disappointed just given how good uh, we have on the TV show. It's going to be a different actor for the movie version of Flash. And it could be good. And I recognize that they want to use different actors for... I understand it. They want to use different actors for the movies than from the TV. But he just works so well. It's going to be hard to see someone else as the Flash. No matter how good they are. You know, Dave, I I agree with you. Mm. I'm completely in agreement with you. One thing that I have headcanoned my way into that's helped me get past that notion that no one can ever replace Grant Gustin is the fact that the multiverse is open now. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, this guy, this Ezra Millicat is going to be the flash. It means that one day, if they decide to put down the cash, they can actually have Ezra Miller, uh, Ezra Miller, uh, meet Grant Gustin in the time stream somehow. Even if if it's for a brief second, they both coexist. Everything's on the table. (laughs) That could definitely work. So, our Flash, Grant Gustin, he is still the Flash. And Ezra Miller is off in some, like, Earth 5 or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, given that we've had all three of the original Flashes, like the comic book Flashes, in the last episode of Flash, between... um, Jay, I forgot his last name. He was the original Flash. Um, yeah. Then um, Barry Allen was the second Flash, and Wally West was the third Flash in the comic books, and they were all in the last episode, if if I'm not mistaken. If they could do that, you know, they could cross over with the movies. That could work. There you go. You never know. <laughs> you guys see um, the uh, reveal of the Flash costume for the Justice League movie? No. It wasn't much of a re- reveal. But it yes. wasn't, but that's what people were talking, like, because it was, like, uh, behind the the actual picture of the director and Aquaman. Um, but it looked uh, it looked a lot like the TV version suit, except more uh, metal or whatever to it. It had a lot more shininess to it than a leather cloth feel that the yeah. TV show yeah. one has it. But it looked pretty sweet, though. Yeah. Okay, so here's what I was going to say. Um, Stanford Prison... Uh, Ezra Miller was in the Stanford Prison Experiment, um, which I haven't seen that show, but the actual event is something that was really interesting and definitely a cool sociological thing to learn more about. But um, one of the other people who was in it um, is going to be... is just confirmed as the male lead... Uh, Ty Sheridan is the actor's name. He's going to be the male lead in the Steven Spielberg adaptation of Ready Player One. Oh, yeah, I just um, saw that today, too. But so that movie is coming together, and yes, as we mentioned before, it did run from the uh, change date for Star Wars Episode Eight, as they should have, because they would have gotten killed. Uh, but MP, have you uh, read Ready One, Ready Player One? I actually checked out the audiobook version that was uh, read by Will Wheaton. And yes, as did I. I really enjoyed it. He he really uh, delivered that. That was pretty cool. But the book yeah, itself, I, I yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I was surprised at how well Will Wheaton did. Uh, he also narrated the um, Armada, also by uh, the same author. But yeah, he did really well. Yeah, he really just brought some life into that story. It was a good story. Um, it was a little bit, it was a little detail heavy 
and I, I'm looking forward to how that's going to translate to the film. Yeah, that's a very good point. There's going to, it's going to be hard to do a lot of that. But you know, Spielberg is generally good as long as you ignore Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> and so, I, I, I'll, I'll trust that he'll probably do well with it. And this is the best shot he's had in a long time. This is like a layup for him, or it should be, because it's a movie. Uh, where the story is steeped in 80s nostalgia, uh, you know, for those that haven't read it, it's all about just 80s pop culture. And that's when he was at his height, at his at his strongest. Yeah, yes, so yes. he's basically just got to open up his closet and just let everything out and <laughs> film it. Nice. Uh, he'll be good. Uh, and people are drinking that stuff up right now so that he has a receptive audience, too. So Yeah. Drinking it up like Ecto Cooler. See, throwback. Call that. Very nice. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> uh, so another little random bit of news. Pacific Rim 2 is back on again, apparently. Yes. Um, and with the, the the newly announced director was the writer for the Netflix version of Daredevil. Um, so that could be interesting. Um, you know, I, I I did enjoy Pacific Rim, but what I would really love to see, especially with them having made a Godzilla movie recently, what if they just did a Pacific Rim Godzilla crossover? I can fighting, get on board with that. Fighting with each other or against each other? Either way. Could probably do like the Batman versus Superman thing, you know, start out against each other and then they team up for a greater enemy, you know? Yeah. I loved Pacific Rim. The thing was I, I have mixed feelings about Pacific Rim. I think the graphics and stuff were great. I didn't quite get 100% on board with the story, though. I mean, at the time, it was all the kaiju action we had here. So, I dug it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was definitely fun to watch. I It's just not a movie that I have watched as, you know, multiple times. I feel similar, I feel similar uh, about Pacific Rim as I do to Avatar. I saw it once. I enjoyed it, but I don't ever need to see it again. <laughs> and yet, it's coming back. But it's coming back <laughs> eventually. <laughs> they both are coming back. Yes. <laughs> I, I think it could be a good Godzilla crossover, just because more kaiju is good. And if we had Godzilla in there, you can't complain about more Godzilla as long as well. It's better than some of the other Godzilla. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so I guess you can complain about more Godzilla, but we shouldn't. <laughs> I enjoyed the last. Beggars episode. can't be choosers. I still hold Matthew Broderick, pers- <clears throat> Matthew Broderick, personally responsible for the failure of the first movie. I mean, Hank Azaria did what he could, <laughs> but you can only do so much, you know. Freaking Bueller! He he ruined that and Inspector Gadget. <laughs> and and wasn't he also responsible for ruining Curious George? I mean, I can't even let my kids watch that movie. <laughs> That's it. That's Let's the root of our Matthew problems. Product. Yeah. <laughs> just send him back to war games, you know? Just Yes. Send what him happened back to, to that Matthew Broderick? I miss him. Come back and leave Sarah Jessica Parker. I just leave her somewhere that we never have to look at her again, please. <laughs> hey, if she keeps making sex in the city movies, I won't have to look at her again because she's over there. <laughs> <laughs> That's just it. All the actors that I don't like, actors and actresses, I want them all to be on the same show. I want it to run for 20 years so they're all working 
and I don't ever have to worry about seeing them pop up on anything else. <laughs> we can kind of talk about the Deadpool effect, I guess. You know, now that they see that a, a superhero movie that's rated R has garnered so much attention and money, obviously uh, it influenced the Wolverine announcement that you were discussing earlier. Mm-hmm. And you, you'd have to think that it's influencing this Batman v Superman uh, announcement as well. But that's surprising to me because I thought if any movie was going to get the rated R treatment on the on the horizon, it would have been Suicide Squad. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that just that just seems more it, it seems more natural for that to be rated R because I can't I can't see Batman or Superman dropping any f bombs. Maybe exactly doomsday talks and he's just got a foul mouth in the director's <laughs> cut or something. Yeah, I mean, it's gotta be violence i mean yeah i can't think of anything that would yeah because they don't yeah language just wouldn't be but either one of them i mean I, from the previews this seems like a, a bit of a grittier batman than the christian bale one in that he's not afraid to really hurt people right. um but him and Superman, neither of them want to go around killing people. So where's the extra violence going to come from? I don't know. We'll just have to see, I guess. Well, in the comics, um, Doomsday takes down buildings, doesn't he? When he kills Superman. Yeah, but they did that in the first Superman, too. And you have to imagine that some of those buildings were occupied when him and Zod brought them down. Yeah, that's true. And actually, in one of the trailers, Batman says... Just when he's talking to Alfred, he's like, "They just killed thousands of people. What's next? Millions." Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, there's definitely some death in the first one. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't. Yeah, what would make it rid of? I was gonna joke that Wonder Woman was gonna snap Max Lord's neck, but they did that in the first one too. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> Maybe that's what's gonna get at the R rating. We're gonna have a Wonder Woman Maldr- Mel. Well, I can't talk. Wonder Woman wardrobe malfunction uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, well and you know I, I maybe this has something to do with it maybe it doesn't but I just remember we were talking last week um, about how there are just rumors swirling about this movie that they're not confident it's going to do well and maybe this is just you know one more step to hope that you know you, you still have the PG-13 rating so you can get the audiences in the theater and then just hope to boost sales a little bit with the R rating on the on the DVD and Blu-ray. Um, because there are a lot of people who do go for that. They want the grittier and what they call more realism. Um, you know, for me personally, I, I, I don't... I'm not going to say other people shouldn't have the entertainment they want. But for me, ever since Blu-rays and DVDs were announced, I wanted it to swing the other way. I, I would like the... The, the technology exists where we could edit the language and some of the more um, gratuitous scenes out of movies, and I've always hoped that we could sort of go that direction, especially so I could watch movies with my kids. You know, we watched Goonies recently, and you don't think of Goonies as being bad, but I always watch the, the version we recorded off TV. There's a lot of stuff in Goonies I didn't necessarily want my kids to see. <laughs> <clears throat> and Yeah. It would be kind of nice if we, since the technology exists, we could potentially have some of that for movies. But um, you know, if they want to go the other way, you know, more power to them. Um, I'm sure it'll probably sell some more stuff. As long as the movie's good, that's what I want. Just, just 
And, <laughs> Batman versus Superman good. And a true representation. Yes. You don't want them to start making R-rated movies just for the sake of being R-rated. Um, like Deadpool, you know, his character is R-rated. I mean, it's just that's the best way to represent him. And exactly. You couldn't yeah, have done it just that character work. as PG-13. Yeah. Yeah, I think James Gunn pretty much said the same thing uh, after the movie was released. He saw it, he loved it, and he basically said, yeah, he's concerned about the uh, upcoming slate of superhero movies that uh, they're going to take the wrong lesson from Deadpool and uh, just try to push the envelope instead of making something original, making something Mm -hmm. different than everything else. Yeah, and... yeah, like he said in there, he said something along the lines of, you know, the, the one thing that Deadpool didn't do is pander to the audience. Right, 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 right. Yeah. You'd think that with how easy it is to get research in this day and age, or stuff like that, that studios would, you know, be able to learn that or know that, uh, you know, what people are looking for in their movies and stuff, but... Well, this isn't new, though. I mean, we've gotten away from this a little bit, but studios always want to get in on what's hot. And with how long movies take, you... If they if they think they have their pulse on what's hot, they'll do it even if they, even if they have no idea. And just one silly example of this is especially during the 1990s and early 2000s, a movie wasn't even made yet, but as soon as one studio heard of another movie making a movie, for example, there was Volcano L.A. and there was Dante's Peak that were both made at the exact yeah. same time because one studio who heard the other was doing it, um, you had uh, Deep Impact and Armageddon, uh, the yep. two uh, both at the same time. Um, when Transformers was going to be made, like the first movie remake, um, out right on Netflix, there was some Transmorphers movie that came out, and so it, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't. Common sense and focus groups and any of this other stuff doesn't have to come into it. it if there's something that they feel is a hot issue, you got to get in while it's hot. Screw, you know, what people actually want. Screw quality. Forget that. Yeah. Throw that out the window. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Now, you mentioned uh, Transmorphers. If you get a chance, look up Asylum Films. They make all those knockoffs, and they're at least entertaining in the box covers because you can see how hard they tried <laughs> to, to remind you of the movie that you think it is without actually <laughs> yep. ripping it off. Well, you know, <laughs> legally ripping it off. Yes. <laughs> You know, maybe we should do that. We've talked about, you know, some different podcast spinoffs and, you know, doing some... But most of the movies we've talked about are legitimate movies. We really should do just Netflix dumpster diving and just go for some of these terrible Transformers and just watch them and talk about them. That sounds like a hoot. I mean... Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of bad stuff out there. Yeah, there is. Yes, there is, especially on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Um, I was just going to make a recommendation because I've been watching it and I mean to talk about it, but I just haven't been sure if I should, but, uh, I've been loving them so much that there's two new shows on Fox and Fox has just been killing it for comedy these last few years. Like I love new girl, love new girl. 
I didn't think I'd like it, but I watched it on a whim on Netflix and loved it. And so I've just been watching it ever since. But um, they have uh, two new series this year, and I don't know how they're doing. I, I don't know. They might be they might not be doing well, but one is with John Stamos, and it's called Grandfathered. And it has uh, the chick from Criminal Minds, one of the chicks who played Prentice on uh, Criminal Minds. But it is absolutely hilarious. And John Stamos is great in it. And um, so I highly recommend that. Um, at least looking into it if uh, you like comedy. It's a 30-minute show, so it's easy to watch. And then the other one that airs the same night is um, called Grinder, And that's with Rob Lowe and uh, I want to say Freddie Savage, but is that, is that the right name? Savage. Uh, Fred that Savage, yeah. The, Fred uh, Savage, okay. Yeah, Wonder Years guy. Yeah, Fred Savage. So they're both in it, and holy crap, is that show amazing. Um, it is so funny, and uh, Rob Lowe is just phenomenal because he plays the the story behind it is he plays a lawyer on TV, and it's a famous uh, long running TV show. And then he has like a crisis of faith kind of thing, and so he ends the show and goes to live with his brother, who's an actual lawyer. And it's about their conflicting uh, the way you know the TV lawyer battling the lawyer kind of thing, like their ideologies and stuff. It's so great though, and um, but Fred Savage. I have is heard just, about that. Is it on Netflix at all yet, or is it still in its first season? No, it is still on its first season. Yeah, so it's still on. You could probably watch it on Fox Now, the app on your Xboxes, or um, um, probably on on Hulu. Okay, they do. Hulu's got on it. Hulu. Okay, yeah. So, but I highly, I mean, that one, I, oh, I just love that show. It's so great. And Fred Savage, just his reaction to the absurd is just amazing. And I just love it. Rob Lowe is amazing. Everybody actually does really good in that show. But, um, so anyway, those are my two recommendations right now to add to your list. Well, I guess we shall cut to, uh, the final bit of the night. Spoiler Um, alert. Spoiler alert, yes, uh, so the last episode of The Flash um, dropped a serious bombshell. If you do not want it spoiled, then, uh, yeah, thanks, just uh, thanks for listening. just re-listen to the rest of this episode a few times and, and yeah, just <laughs> skip past <laughs> Um So, we have been, all, all year long, we've been basically dealing with the after-effects of um, the breaches to Earth 2 that were created at the end of last season, and how Zoom is sending enemies from Earth 2 to Earth 1, where our handsome hero lives, and we finally got the re- reveal of who was under the hood. No. So did, did, anyone, did any of you guys call this? Well, <clears throat> um, I I personally think that we still don't know who it is. We don't know which of whom it is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, time travel and dimensional travel. It's so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, Cause from what I was reading, I, I'm not as familiar with the, um, comic book version of all this earth one or two stuff. My experience is from the DC, uh, movies. They come out with the cartoon movies. Um, and so there's different versions of that compared to this. So I, I would have no clue other than what they tell me. So, but going from the show and what they're showing us, I would be really confused. But from what I've been reading on, 
Facebook and IGN from people's reactions and stuff. It's very interesting. Some of the theories out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, my my original thought was there was going to be uh, Henry Barry's dad. Yes. That was my original thought, because you know I know it's a different character, but he was he's still the Flash. I want to see him in a suit. Um, and we, we may yet. I don't know, but. Uh, uh, after after he just completely disappeared from the show, I, and they they did give at least some ideas that um, it could be Jay. I thought, well, I think it actually could. A, a couple episodes, like the the more you see of him, he kind of plays it that way. But how are there two of him? Yeah, or multiple? How are there maybe even three of him? Um, and I always played it off that well, we already saw that uh, the Reverse Flash could use, like, could make multiples of himself appear. Um, the episode where Flash was fighting that guy who could split himself, he made multiples of... No, he was fighting someone else, but he, the, the Flash that we know on Love made multiples of himself appear when he was fighting a superpower. Oh, yeah. I can't remember. Um, and maybe they're clones? See, um, I think they're torn from other Earths, so... If he's, uh, if it's him, it's his version on other Earth, his doppelgangers, and he's just got got his group together, kind of thing. So I, so like there are, there are. Are you suggesting that there are three Earths then, or? Uh, there's more than three, but that he's pulled, but that he's pulled those three Jay Garricks as we know him from other Earths to take their speed. Hmm. Could be. Maybe that's how we get to the Supergirl dimension somehow. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they play it because the this is the theory that I've been reading online is that he is um, a version of Hunter Zolomon, which is, I guess, the way that he gets his speed is different than all the other speedsters. And so that's why he needs multiple versions of himself. But um, He's like Siler. But... When I did my initial reaction, when I did see him take off the mask, and but and I I actually was expecting it to be um, Wally West is who I was expecting it to be. Um, the Wally West on Earth One is who I was expecting to be Zoom on Earth Two. That would have been close. Yeah, but uh, because we knew we knew they weren't going to go completely, you know, how the comics have done it, I guess. But anyway, uh, so. Uh, when I saw Jay Garrick, I was like, dude, that's exactly what, where my first thought was, is that we're going to see other Earths, because the guy in the Iron Helmet has got to be another Jay Garrick, or whoever his, you know, whoever his... I was his, actually his. thinking Diggle. I could be wrong, but I was actually thinking Diggle, because the mask isn't the same as Diggle's current mask, but it's similar. Um, And it's hard to tell, because it's in a dark room. It could be either... A, a, a black man or a white man, but were some I thought sh- Diggle. Yeah, there were some shots I couldn't tell. Like his eyes looked like like he was a white man, but then his <laughs> hands in some of the shots looked like he was a black man. So yeah, I, I guess that's true. I couldn't really. Maybe tell. that was a uh, a choice on their part, just to kind of keep you guessing a little bit. Yeah, because I couldn't tell either. It was just very ambiguous. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I 
I assumed it was Diggle. I could be wrong. Ah, so many questions. I I didn't account for that. Yeah, he could be pulling him from other Earths because we've always just termed Earth one, Earth two. But yeah. yeah, he could be pulling him from other Earths. Um, well, the one thing that I thought because clearly there are at least two because you know he was surprised or disappointed that he had killed himself. Yeah. Um, or what looks like himself. Um, maybe there are twins, and so well. I don't know. Um, I think you know how the doppelgangers are very similar to their other counterparts. Um, yes. I, I guess I shouldn't say I think. One of the things I read that made a good point was um, that he admittedly, Jay Garrick tells, um, oh man, I can't think of her name, the uh, Killer Frost chick. Oh, Caitlin. Caitlin yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he tells Caitlin when he tells her the truth about how he lost his speed. Um, he tells her that he became obsessed with becoming faster. And so so you could see the, you know, the evolution of that becoming an obsession and then becoming Zoom where he learns how to take the speed from other speedsters. So you could see that version becoming possible through that. And then knowing, obviously, if you know yourself, you would know right where to go get yourself if you need to take yourself from another place so interesting that'd be the first that'd be the first victims i guess you know and that does make sense because he had already found his doppelganger on this earth but he He was was disappointed that he had no speed yeah so yeah that that would make sense but yeah, well, that opens a whole new can of worms. If that's right, then there'd be multiple Earths, and we could get a whole, a whole another can of worms of like what characters are we going to see multiple iterations of? Yeah. And I'm not sure what I think about that because okay, I love the Flash. Don't get me wrong; I think the series is fantastic. But if I were to have one complaint, is that there are so many speedsters that he goes up against, and it seems like. I don't want to see more and more and more and more speedsters. Either that or people are going to have to start getting killed off, and that's going to suck. Yes. There's probably not one character on that show that I want to lose, you know? Yeah, that's really good. Whereas I could easily part with Laurel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, Laurel's the worst. She's the worst. She's unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> she's not even like even her action of screaming just looks ridiculous like you can't even get that right <laughs> she, she gets oh, shut man. down immediately after every time it's like oh yeah we heard about you the screaming one and then they just throw something at her and she's done and that's, that's it. <laughs> yeah yeah just just put her on some other show and bring bring sarah back and yeah I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I wonder who. Um, I wonder who they're going to get for. I mean, obviously they got to have a love interest for Barry. I'm really curious where they're going to pull that from now that what's her name is gone. I would say maybe they're going to finally pull the trigger with him and Iris, but this editor in chief guy they introduced either this week or last week. He seems like. You know, him and Iris might have a thing because he's quick-witted and she likes that. And it seems like he's expressly there to be a love interest for her. 
Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Now, do they, uh, in Flash Lord, does uh, him and Iris always, are they like Lois Lane and Clark Kent? I'm not you sure if it's know? always the case, because there are so many different iterations of it, but at least in some of them, they are together. Um, I don't know if it's all of them. It's hard to do on TV, like, relationships. When, when you start off with unrequited love or something like a one-way relationship, or the, at least it appears that way, it's hard to transition to into a relationship and have it work well for any TV show. Yeah. That's why they never, when they get together, something happens that always pulls them apart again. In shows. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it's just, just thinking of that is making me think of Joss Whedon, and I sometimes hate that man, because <laughs> he especially hates love. And you know, it worked, like, just Wash and Zoe were perfect. Yes. And, and... And it was piloted so well, and he saved the ship, and it was all wonderful. And and I hate you, Joss Whedon. I I love you, but I hate you. <laughs> so on, on that note, is that how we want to end the show? That we should all just lynch Joss Whedon, <laughs> or hug him, or, or lynch him, or hug him while we're sliding the lynch over his neck. Either way. <laughs> He's given us so much joy by taking away so many of our favorites. (laughs) (laughs) The man. Yes. I mean, that was pretty much the last season of Angel. It's just, well, I guess this is our life now. Okay. (laughs) Everybody's dead or dead. (laughs) No happy ending. But there can be happy endings, especially if it's fiction. Just... Even if you don't believe it in real life, it's, if it's fiction, just once, just once, Joss, just once. <laughs> well, uh, thank you all for listening in, and special thanks to Matt Peters for joining us tonight. Yes, thank you, sir. Hey, thank you once again for having me. I had a blast, and uh, hopefully the listeners did as well. Yeah, and we will definitely post some of the links we talked about earlier. Uh, check out uh, MightyInc.net and all the amazing things that are being done there. And we'll hope to hear more from you soon. Cool, cool, cool. And we will catch you all later. Peace. Bye. Peace. Okay, so Buffy, I'm, I can't remember. Whatever officially happened to Buffy in, in her story slash Angel's story? It's technically not over. Um, they are doing multiple seasons. Uh, they have added multiple seasons through graphic novels. Oh, okay. In terms of the in terms of the TV show, it ended after season seven. She stopped coming to the and, show, right? So they wrote her out of. No, 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 no. She was still there. But basically, what happened in season seven is um, the Hellmouth that was always causing problems actually opened, <laughs> and just the city's, for all intents and purposes, destroyed. Um, and Buffy couldn't do it on her own. So Willow, they found an enchanted axe. I don't remember the whole story behind that, but Willow cast a spell on the axe. Um, and stepping back a moment, um, I don't know how much you remember of the show, but there was always one slayer up until Buffy died and then was brought back to life. Right. And then there were two slayers because she died. Yeah. Um, but there were always slayers in training. Um. And that were being prepared to become the Slayer. Um, Willow casts a spell on this axe, and it basically 
took the in-training out, and all of the potential slayers became were granted that full power. They were all activated or something. Was this the uh, the red like scythe you're thinking of that she had? Yeah, it was red and silver, or red and chrome, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it had a it had a uh, a stabby end, and it had an axe <laughs> and yes. <laughs> That's a pretty cool yes. prop. I'm surprised you never see that for sale anywhere because it it looked pretty neat. Yes, yes, it did. It was one of the better props for the show. Um, so anyway, uh, that is where we are introduced. I think that's the first appearance of Felicia Day that I'm aware of. Which yeah. she was one of the other potentials that becomes a Slayer, and they had six or seven or eight of them that were working together, and they basically saved the day there. The the continuing graphic novels explore what happens later with Buffy, what happens later with Faith. Um, there are some rogue slayers, basically women who get this power but were never necessarily trained or even good people. Um, so the graphic novels continue the story into further seasons. But uh, and then on, I know she yeah. made. Or actually, I can't remember if she actually ever made an appearance on Angel. As her, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar as Buffy? Or if they always just talked about her or showed, like, behind shots of a blonde woman? Yes, they did go back and forth. It became harder as, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but uh, one of the shows was on CW, or eventually one of the shows was on CW, the other was on UPN. It was the strangest thing, you're exactly right, because for some reason they kept Angel at CW and moved Buffy to UPN. I think maybe because Buffy was just, you know, in later years. But they mm. kept Angel. They kept the spinoff. And yeah, they, they um, had one of those rare cross-network crossovers. <laughs> and it was kind of like the Flash and Arrow, where it wasn't always Buffy and Angel going back and forth. Sometimes it was Willow yeah. that would go to visit, or sometimes it was uh, Seth Green's character. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. That was that was the first one. I think but I think the Seth one happened when they were both in the same uh, on the same network because it was literally him just driving his van cross country and he picked up something from LA to take back to Sunnydale or something like that. It was it was goofy, but it worked at the time. Yeah, I need to go back. I have all of them on DVD. I need to go back and watch them because I didn't actually watch all of Angel when it was on. I didn't even watch all of Buffy when it was on. Um, my wife, when we were first dating, got me to watch it, and not just was it not just did I get heavily into it, but that was my first experience binge watching um, because she had it on. She had it on DVD, um, or she was borrowing it from her cousin, and it was just so awesome for the first time being able to watch a show without <laughs> commercials and without having to wait for that stinking next yeah. book with a to be continued on my screen. Yeah. I love I love Buffy. I, I love the way they touched on subjects through the material that were relevant to you know like teen life or real life and I just remember liking that aspect of the show a lot. Yeah, same here. And the the music was actually pretty good for the most part too. They didn't uh it didn't feel like the typical uh WB CW just kind of like tacked on mm-hmm. soundtrack. It felt natural. It felt like what they would actually listen to. Yeah. Well, and I think that was our first introduction to several people including Michelle Branch. At least that's the first place I had ever seen Michelle Branch. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, Michelle Branch was on there. Yeah. 
Oh. Yeah, I yeah, that was, yeah. So I did the it was the same thing. I had um uh when I was engaged, I was friends with we we I got to be friends with another engaged couple that we knew and uh they lent me their Buffy CDs or DVDs. I just binged. It was amazing. <laughs>